sure I'm dating myself, but some of you will remember the wonderful days in telephone technology of the answering machine. Anybody have an answering machine? Yeah, I think most of you know. It's not a voicemail. It's not a text. For a chunk of time back in the day, actually probably not very long, but for a chunk of time back in the day, people had these devices, an actual machine. Some of them actually had cassette tapes that you put in there, right? And, uh, and, and you hooked it up to your telephone that was plugged in the wall that you didn't take with you, right? Um, and, uh, and, and then uh, it would answer calls for you when you weren't home. Uh, it was cool back then to try to be as creative as possible. Uh, so the message that played when someone called in uh, when you weren't home, uh, I don't know if you had a good one, uh, like, uh, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot. I mean, somebody, um, uh, I heard, heard of one that, that was something like, hi, I'm probably home, I'm just avoiding people I don't like, and so leave a message and if I call you, if I don't call you back, then you'll know it's you that I was avoiding, you know. Or, or there's the, uh, I'm available right now, but I can't find the phone. As soon as I do, I'll get back to you. We always said somewhere in there, leave a message at the beep, even though everybody knew to leave a message at the beep, but we still always said it. The one I hated most was, was when they pretended to pick up and they said, hello? And then you start talking, right? And then they say, hello. And, oh, and you start talking. And then they say, oh, just kidding. It's the answering machine. And you hang up and you don't even leave a message, right? You're just mad. One of my favorites that we had as a family, I don't know why, uh, why I came up with this, but um, I, was, I was in youth pastor days and, and uh, I don't know if we had kids yet or not. Maybe... Maybe one, I don't know. Anyway, VeggieTales was, uh, was a big deal, right? And uh, there's a song from one of the VeggieTales videos called Busy. And it's something to the, atu- the tune of, we're busy, busy, shockingly busy. You've no idea what we have to do. We're busy, busy, dreadfully busy, much, much too busy for you. And I played that on the machine. And that's what people got when they called our phone. And then, I don't know how many people were offended. I probably said at the end, leave a message to the beep. I don't know. Anyway, uh, then, uh, I don't know how, how much that offended people. But uh, that's really the essence of all of us when we are leaving uh, a message. And you get the machine instead of the person. I mean, we're busy, right? We're just, we're, we're too busy uh, to talk to you on the phone because we're out doing stuff. And it's probably really important. And so, we're, and it made us feel important. I, I don't know. There's just something when you come home. Go in the room and you look and see if the light's blinking, right? It was, uh, it was a big deal because if the light's blinking, that means somebody missed me and that means I'm pretty important and uh, I've got to get, uh, get, get that message. I couldn't get their call right away because I was busy doing something important. And, and I, I guess we still do that. I mean, that, that is a different technology, but uh, we don't necessarily leave the kitschy little message we just don't answer, right? Uh, phone rings, we don't recognize the number, uh, or we do recognize the number, but we don't want to, or we can't talk right now, then we just let our little electronic assistant voicemail get it, right? And uh, we'll get back to them when we're not so busy, right? A lot of people describe their, uh, describe their life with that little four-letter word, busy. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, and it's kind of a, a badge of honor, right? Uh, we're, we're frazzled and we're tired and we're stressed out and we're burning the candle at both ends and, and somewhere deep down it makes us feel important because we're, we're busy, we're, we're needed, we're, we're doing things that, that matter. But maybe, just throwing this out there, maybe that's not the best way to live. 
Maybe that's not the way God designed you to live. Maybe all that busyness just leads to more stress and frustration and anxiety and fear. Maybe there's a better way. I think there is a better way. And I think that 11 verses in Psalm 46 tell us that there's a better way as well. So we're, we're flipping through the book of Psalms uh, this, this summer. Uh, we, 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 we come today to Psalm 46. Uh, pretty sure... When we read this, you'll recognize some of it. Uh, You might have a verse or two in there that we're going to look at. Uh, You might actually have it committed to memory, maybe a a phrase or a couple of phrases. I mean, these are pretty pretty common, uh, pretty famous uh, verses, whether you know it came, comes from Psalm 46 or not. These these are this is one of the I've heard heard the term. uh, It's a coffee mug psalm. Right, A few lines that we can put on our coffee mug or we frame it and put it in a real nice place. We have at least one of these verses hanging in our home right now. If you go into the back bedroom on the wall, you'll see a picture with part of, uh, part of one of these verses from Psalm 46. You probably do somewhere as well. You might somewhere as well. Not just because the, uh, the, the, it sounds good or it looks good up on the wall, but, but, but we put these things up because we need to be reminded of these truths in Psalm 46 over and over again because, because we get distracted and, and we get, well, I guess we get busy, dreadfully busy. Psalm 46, just a couple of uh, 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 notes before we, we, we uh, read it, but... Um, so we've walked through quite a few psalms. Uh, like I said, I think we're about halfway done with this series, maybe even a little bit more than halfway. There's 150 psalms. We're only on 46. So uh, we're going to speed through the second, uh, the, the, the last hundred, I guess. But um, uh, in the psalms that we've looked at, so Psalm 1, we started there, and uh, it doesn't designate an author of, of any kind, but all of the other psalms that we've seen uh, were, were written by David. But Psalm 46 was not. So it's the first one that we've looked at that, would de- that definitely was not written by David. A lot of people think that David wrote all the psalms. He didn't. Uh, he wrote a lot of them. This is one of 11 psalms that are attributed to some guys called the sons of Korah. Without going into it all, we could, we could, I could take the next uh, a little while and we can dive deep into Korah and his family line and all of those things. Korah uh, uh, was, a, was a guy who served in the uh, tabernacle back in Moses' day. He rebelled against God, didn't go well for him, he was punished, uh, but his ancestors continued to serve. Uh, some right there in the tabernacle, uh, they were, they were uh, it says gatekeepers or doormen, I guess, in, uh, in the tabernacle. Uh, there were others, uh, it says the sons of Korah, that, that are included in the, uh, um, the list of people who fought alongside David uh, when, uh, when he was in battle and, and uh, some, some of the time when he was fleeing for his life from Saul and all and then some, maybe some of those same ones that were also serving in the temple or fighting with David, they also are uh, uh, described as people who wrote and performed worship music. Again, I can't do it justice, so if you do a little deep dive or a, a shallow dive maybe into uh, the sons of Korah, uh, it'd be worth your time. Go for that. and, and do, Not right now, but later sometime, do that. 
The other notes at the top of this psalm indicate that it was indeed written as a song uh, used for worship. The New Living Translation, if uh, if you use that one, it says in those notes to be sung by soprano voices. So if you have a soprano voice, break it out because we're getting ready to sing. Uh, Actually, we're we're, we're not going to, uh, we're going to listen to this being read to us today. So something a little different. But I encourage you to open that up, follow along. We'll be referring to that throughout the day, but let's listen. Listen to it as it's read to us this morning. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 46, the the authors here, the sons of Korah, they start off, uh, verse one, describing God pretty specifically and declaring it boldly. God is our refuge and our strength and our help who's always there. And each one of those things is extremely important. So, so first of all, what, God is our refuge. A refuge is simply a place of safety, right? Uh, later in the psalm, uh, the, the image of a fortress is used. It's, it's, a, it's a strong place uh, for, for people to run to in times of trouble. It's a, it's a refuge. Maybe you've heard the, the classic hymn uh, written by Martin Luther in the 1520s, so, you know, like 500 years ago, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, right? It's one of those uh, 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 kind of songs. Right? Uh, it, it's uh, uh, in German, eine feste Berg ist unser Gott. I mean, it's just got the, it's got the theology and everything. But it was inspired by the themes in Psalm 46, specifically that God is our refuge and our fortress. He's a place of protection. Now today we don't have too many fortresses around, uh, but, but when we hear the word refuge, I don't know about you, the first thing that came to my, my mind was a, a wildlife refuge, right? So a place that's of, of protection. There are certain areas in our country around the world uh, that have been sectioned off uh, for animals to go free to roam without being fear, uh, without the fear of being hunted, and it's a, it's a refuge. Uh, a refuge is a is a place where someone has protection from an exterior threat. 
Animals can't be hunted. An enemy can't breach the wall. It's a place of protection from an exterior. It's, it's a refuge. And God is our refuge. Verse 1 also says that God is our strength. And that refers to an inner personal Strength. Someone who, who works out in a gym and develops their muscles is, is building up their, their uh, physical strength. Uh, we just might describe someone as strong if they're resilient in, in order to, to face uh, emotional upheaval or tragedy or something. Oh, they're, they're strong. They have an inner strength. Strength, uh, you know, a refuge is more uh, protection against a, an exterior force that's uh, an exterior enemy. Uh, inner strength uh, talks about an interior power. And God, this psalm says, is our strength. He's not only our refuge, but he's also our strength. And he's also our help, it says. Uh, Having help is a great thing. Uh, Maybe you've needed help sometimes. We'd guess all of us have needed help at some point in our lives. When we uh, lived in another town, uh, in another life, uh, we, we moved and some people came to help us paint. When they left, we painted it again because they were no help. Uh, it, it, sometimes we want help, but we ask the wrong people and we go to the wrong places and we don't get the help that we need. Uh, they, they, they tried to help, they just weren't any help. Uh, but we need help all the time. I mean, maybe, maybe you get a phone call from somebody that says they need help moving. Oh my goodness. Now that's not a phone, that, that's when you let it ring and go to your, go to your voicemail, right? Or uh, maybe you, you help your kids to learn new things or help them with their homework, right? Or, or you, you uh, help someone who needs assistance medically. Maybe they, they just uh, need help getting around. Maybe you have aging parents or, or someone that you know that, that needs some help or you're just taking care of, of uh, people when they're, when they're sick, all those kinds of things. Or, or uh, we, we give help in, in times of uh, national or international problems you uh, you just sent a couple dozen crisis care kits off to uh, help people uh, facing overwhelming circumstances in the face of, uh, of of crisis around the world we we help in a lot of different ways and in, in the face of life and death circumstances we might even yell help right because we need help we know what it means to need help. If there's a problem and we can't handle it on our own, we need someone to give us help to accomplish what needs to be done. God is our help. He's our refuge, protection against exterior threats. He's our strength and inner uh, sense of power. And he is the one who helps. And he doesn't just help every once in a while. <laughs> he is an ever-present Right? There's, there's a chorus in this psalm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, sung twice. Of course, we didn't sing the song, we, psalm. We don't know the, 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 the tune of this psalm. But, uh, in verse seven, and then it's repeated in verse 11. Just like when we sing songs, usually there's a, a verse and then a chorus and then another verse and then another chorus and, and, and all the things. Well, well, here we see a chorus. Verse seven and 11 are identical. Uh, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. Unlike your buddy who might not answer the phone when you need help moving, God is ever present. He is with us. 
The authors of this psalm knew that we needed to know right off the bat, verse one, coming out of the gate, uh, the, uh, the, the, the music starts and we start singing. And as we sing, we need to be reminded of who God is and what he does. God is your refuge and your strength and your ever-present help. He provides protection from threats around us, strength within us, and the needed help no matter what trouble we face. Put that on a mug. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's truth. You can take it to the bed. But don't just put it on a mug. All of that should make a huge difference in how we live. Because of that, because God is who he is and does what he does, because he is a refuge and a strength and an ever-present help, uh, verse 2 immediately tells us that that changes everything. Therefore, because of all that, we will not fear. This is a theme that we've we've uh, seen already, and we haven't by far done all the psalms, but, but in many of the psalms we've already looked at, we've seen this theme of living above fear and anxiety and worry, right? And, and, uh, and we're going to see it again. It's a, it's a theme just flowing, uh, a huge river flowing through uh, the, the, the book of Psalms. It's as if the authors of the psalms were living here and now. Dealing with some of the same things we'll, we deal with. We, there, there must have been a tendency toward fear and anxiety even back then. I, we have so many fears these days. We like to name them, right? We've got scientific names. I, I thought it might be fun to play a little game today. Uh, I'm going to read the official name of, uh, of certain fears and phobias. You tell me if you know what it is. Uh, you can just yell them out. That's fine. Uh, the person that wins gets a million points. If you know, points don't matter. So anyway, it's, it's not worth anything. But uh, uh, anyway, so we're going to start out easy. Claustrophobia is the fear of confined spaces. Um, you've probably seen this movie, Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Acrophobia, fear of heights. Ophidiophobia. Ophidiophobia, the fear of snakes. Some of you are testifying. You're going to be running the aisles in a minute. Uh, mitophobia, the fear of darkness. Anybody scared of the dark? You were scared of the dark? There's a lot of things in the dark, right? Oh, here, here's one maybe some of you uh, struggle with. Electrophobia, electrophobia, the fear of chickens. So, I don't know, testify, anybody, the fear of, I, they had those beaks, and I just, you know, I, some of you have, it's good, fine, I'll t- I'll t- the eggs are great, you, I'll let you harvest them. Ataxophobia, oh, some of you have this, some of you have this and don't know it, not, not the IRS, no, uh, the fear of disorder or untidiness. Some of you struggle with ataxophobia. Uh, it's not a struggle, though, is it? You just get it already, and you're, you're good. Uh, brontophobia. No, it's not. doesn't have anything to do with dinosaurs. Brontophobia. My dog suffers with this, so much so that I lost some sleep last night. The fear of thunder and lightning. Brontophobia. Coolerophobia. C-O-U-L-R-O-phobia. Coolerophobia. There's certain, yeah, anyway, uh, the fear of clowns. Some of you, yes? Yeah, fear of clowns. This one I think you'll get, dentophobia, 
the fear of dentists, yes. Uh, Melissophobia, the fear of people called Melissa. No, that is not. That is not. It is the fear of bees. You know, they have this little stinger thing, you know. Uh, Oh, here we go. I'm guessing you don't have this. Ecclesiophobia, the fear of the church. Church. If you do have that, this is really a struggle right now, and I, you know, I, I feel for you. Hadophobia, uh, the fear of hell. Maybe we should all have a little touch of hadophobia, right? Uh, here, here's one. Uh, homilophobia, the fear of sermons. The fear of sermons. Not the hate of sermons. It's it's different. Uh, and then maybe you know this one. Pantophobia is the fear of everything. Okay, pantophobia. Maybe you struggle with some of those. It's natural to be cautious in some situa- situations. I'm not telling you to uh, go spend a lot of time with chickens and snakes. What you just you, you be you, right? But but the psalmists are clear as they write this, uh, not just here but throughout the psalms. We don't have to live in fear. Because, why? Well, because God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help, no matter what. I, really, I, they don't use the word pantophobia here, but, but uh, in, in verse 2, the sons of Korah uh, really kind of go to the extreme uh, in what might possibly be the worst-case scenario they could dream up uh, in, in saying, we will not fear even though this happens. And they, they talk about uh, even if the earth implodes or the mountains collapse or the ocean goes crazy and swallows things up, uh, even in the face of, of something so cataclysmic as that, they are encouraging the congregation to sing out as they turn in their hymnals to Psalm 46. Verse 2 says, we're going to sing it. And I, again, I don't have the music. I don't have the score. I'm guessing this is kind of a crescendo going to double forte. Did I say that right? FF, right? Big and loud, right? Is that, is that it? We will not fear. We will not fear. Why? Well, we just sang it. It's in verse 1. God is your refuge and your strength and your ever-present help. So we will not fear. Who, Who God is and what he is doing should make a significant difference in how we live. But a lot of times it doesn't. We're still afraid. We still get stressed out. We get worried and anxious. In the face of things that aren't nearly as chaotic as the earth imploding, (laughs) we fear. And and I think, there's probably a lot of reasons why, but I think maybe, maybe one big one is because we forget. Because we're dreadfully busy. The sons of Korah seem to recognize those tendencies in, in the people that were going to be singing this song back in their world too. And so they addressed a key way to guard against uh, continuing to be afraid even though the Lord Almighty is with us, even though he is our, he is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help. Uh, they knew that there was still this tendency to forget about all that. And so uh, they, they, verse, uh, verse 10 spells it out. It, get ready for it. It's another call coffee mug saying, this is the one on the wall in the back bedroom of my house, be still and know that I am God. 
So the authors of this psalm actually put God's, as if God was speaking these words right there in that psalm. Uh, verse 11, ver, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. If we're ever going to get any benefit from God being our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help, we have to get quiet and truly know with all of our being that that is who he is and it is what he does. We will continue to be anxious and afraid until we are still. So how good are you at being still? Can you be still? What, what keeps you from being quiet? I, it's everything, right? I mean, I, I thought of uh, trying to come up with a list of, of, of things that, that, that keep us uh, from, uh, from being uh, still before God. And I'm sure if I did, there would still be things that, that I wouldn't bring up that might draw us, uh, might draw you away from being quiet with God. I mean, we, we're, we're busy, we're distracted, we're, we're, uh, God calls us and, and, and calls to us and we let it go to voicemail. We'll get to him later. Of course, he's our, he's our strength and our, and our refuge. We know that. I mean, it's, it's written on the, 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 the picture in the back room. Uh, you know, I, I know that, right? I know he's always there. That's why I know he can wait on me because I'm dreadfully busy and he's always going to be there so I can just go whenever. And this might be the place when some pastors might rail against the latest technology and what smartphones have done to us to distract us from this most important relationship. And sure, our smartphones are distracting for sure. (laughs) But Psalm 46 was written before the iPhone was invented. Like 3,000 years before the iPhone was. This has always been a tendency of humanity to forget who God is and what he's doing. No matter what technology we might be using, we tend toward distraction and stress and being too busy for the things of God and that doesn't lead us to lives of peace and joy, but it leads us to lives of fear and anxiety. So the psalm says, be still, get quiet, quiet the noise around you, quiet the noise within you. And then know that God is who you've already said that he is. He's your refuge. He's your strength. He's your help. But you need to know it, and you're not really going to know it until you get quiet. Until you experience it for yourself. And you can't experience him if you're not taking regular times to be still. Again, Martin Luther, the, uh, the, the, the author of that hymn, A Mighty Fortress, and the author of you know, the little thing called the Reformation. You know, he's he kind of a busy guy, okay? Martin Luther, uh, he used to say this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. We tend toward the other way. I have so much to do, I can't really have time to pray today because I've got to do all of this, right? I don't know, to me, maybe to you, it feels like I preach about this kind of thing a lot. Uh, but we always need to be reminded. That, that, that's why it's here in the psalm book, Being still with God involves getting rid of anything that might distract you. And so, you know, we need to think practically, like go somewhere where you can close the door and you're not going to get distracted for a while. Nobody's going to walk in on you and and you you let the dog out and and you you turn off your phone. And, you know, all Jesus even used the analogy of going into your closet and closing the door and praying and and, and have a prayer closet, some place where you can close out uh, any distractions for a while. 
And that might be the easier thing than to close out any distractions that might be in your head, right? To, uh, getting quiet, uh, quieting the, your thoughts might be, might be more difficult. But in the quiet, as you, as you uh, get to a place where you can be still, then, then you open your Bible and, and you spend time in prayer. And you, you will not have much of a relationship with God experiencing his presence and his strength in your life if you are not spending time with him. I, I can't tell you how many times in 30 years of ministry I have sat down uh, with someone to talk to them about spiritual issues. Pastor, I'm uh, struggling with this. And, and, and usually uh, one of the first questions I'll ask is something about their personal time with God and what that looks like. And usually, almost every time, uh, the answer is, well, I'm not really doing that much right now. Well, I guess session over. Uh, until you're doing that, uh, I'm, I'm a little more compassionate than that. But, but, but uh, uh, that's the first step. You will not thrive spiritually if you're not taking the time personally to be still and know that God is God. So carve out the time. I, I, I know you're busy. Make the time because it's so important. Get up earlier, go to bed later, set an alarm, work through a Bible reading plan, uh, keep a prayer list, ask other people what their prayer time looks like. It will literally change your life. Literally change your life, and, and we don't do it. When you get quiet with God. I, I really think this psalm is a, is a great example for us. When you get quiet with God, don't start off focused on the problems. So many times I find myself in my own prayer life and, and, and just spewing forth, God, I need this and do this and, and, and heal, heal this and, and go here and direct me here and what do I do about this? And, and, and it's all this stuff that I want and, and God, you really need to come through in this way at this time right now. Uh, let's, let's make that happen. Great, good talk and we're off, right? I'm off and he's still there. We, uh, of course, need to lift our needs to God. But, but when you pray, start off like Psalm 46 starts off. Remind yourself of who God is. Verse 10 doesn't say, be still and spill out all your problems to God, making sure he does everything you want him to do when, he, when you want him to do it. It says, be still and know that God is God. Focus your attention on him. Uh, focus your attention on the source of uh, who, who, your re- who and what your refuge is, right? The, the source of your strength, uh, the, the source of your help. When you focus on God and who he is, the problems and stresses and issues of life become much smaller and fear melts away. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble because he is we will not fear because we need to be reminded of that over and over again be still and know it i didn't say it there but but uh that, that term for no, that the Old Testament Hebrew term for no, is less about learning information and a lot more about experiencing. We know that we experience that God is God. We know deep in our heart. We get to know him more. I want you to, uh, to have that chance today to be still and to know that God is God. We've, we, we, we do that every Sunday when we gather for worship, when we have times to pray, all of those things. But... Uh, Specifically today, as we, as we uh, 
come to this part in the service. I don't know what, what mountains in your world seem to be crumbling or what oceans are roaring or what troubles you're facing. But I, I do know that you don't have to be afraid because God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. 